Right, Deuteronomy chapter 22, and we will look at the few verses which we have been studying in the last three or four weeks. Willen and Lynn. We read again from verse 5 to verse 11 of Deuteronomy chapter 22. The woman shall not wear that which pertaineth unto a man, neither shall a man put on a woman's garment, for all that do so, all that do so, are abomination unto the Lord thy God. If a bird's nest chance to be before thee in the way in any tree or on the ground, whether they be young ones or eggs, and the dam sitting upon the young or upon the eggs, thou shalt not take the dam with the young. But thou shalt in any wise let the dam go and take the young to thee, that it may be well with thee and that thou mayest prolong thy days. When thou buildest a new house, then thou shalt make a battlement for thy roof, that there be not blood upon thine house if any man fall from thence. Thou shalt not sow thy vineyard with diverse seeds, lest the fruit of thy seed which thou hast sown and the fruit of thy vineyard be defiled, or as we saw, be forfeited. Thou shalt not plough with an ox and an ass together. Thou shalt not wear a garment of diverse sorts as of woolen and linen. The whole thought behind these verses, uh, most of these verses here, is that God wanted his people to be different from those around, from the heathen nations around. They had to show by their lifestyle and by the way they behaved that they were different, that they were separate. And this whole principle of separation goes right through scripture and right through the New Testament. For believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, we have to be different, we have to show we're different, we have to be separate. Come out from among them and be ye separate says the Lord. Touch not the unclean thing. Woolen and linen. We've come to these last few verses here of this little series within a series. And the more I've thought over these seven verses, the more I have realized how necessary it is for each believer to get the basic principles of these verses into our lives in order to live and honor God daily in our lives. I, I believe that not to walk in the manner expressed in these verses is dishonoring to God and in many cases walking in a manner which as it says is an abomination to him. None of us want, want to walk in a way that is an abomination to the Lord, but yet we need to check up on ourselves that we're not doing something like that. You know, we love to wear garments which are not meet for us to wear, not appropriate for us to wear. 
to undertake roles in the church which are not befitting for us. Men have a role in the church and so have women and these roles do not overlap. They're separate, different roles within the church for men and women. We often hear the argument that if I did not do it then there would be no one else to do it. Well, God knows all about that. Is he not then in control? It's not my task to disobey God in order to nudge him along to do things the way he would like them to be done. My sole task is to be faithful to God's word. And then God will sort out any difficulties which apparently appear. Commit thy way unto the Lord, trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. And that's the way it is within the church as well. We commit our way unto the Lord and trust in him. He will bring it to pass what is his will and what is his guidance in any particular situation. He will bring it to pass. I have to be faithful to his word, faithful to what the scripture says, faithful to the doctrine of the New Testament, and then God will bring it to pass. We were reminded in verses uh, 6 and 7 of the concern God has for his creation. And again reminded of how God God cares for his creatures and it reminds us again and again in scripture that how he cares for his creatures is an example of his love for us and how he loves us. Jesus said, Are not five sparrows sold for two farthings? And not one of them is forgotten before God. But even the very hairs of your head are numbered. Fear not, therefore, ye are of more value than many sparrows. God cares for the sparrows. You know the little thing we used to sing in Sunday school said, The robin to the sparrow. I should really like to know why these anxious human beings rush about and hurry so. Said the sparrow to the robin, Friend, I think that it must be that they have no heavenly father such as cares for you and me. God cares for us and the example we have here of a bird's nest or of a sparrow. God loves us more than many sparrows. In verse 8, we saw that God required of a house builder to be careful as to how he builds. We are building, as the chorus again of our childhood said, we are building day by day, in our work and in our play, not with hammer, blow on blow, not with timber, sawing sow. Building a house not made with hands, following Jesus' perfect plans. Little builders all are we, building for eternity. The person who made that little 
course, I was thinking of 1 Corinthians 3 from verse 10. But let every man take heed how he buildeth. For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. The man isn't been tried by fire, his works are been tried by fire. If any man's work abide, which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work be, shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so is by fire. So, what are we building day by day in our work and in our play? We have been planting some potatoes this week. In Ireland we like to have them in before St. Patrick's Day. In verse 9 we were reminded as to what seed we are sowing in our lives. The solemn words of Galatians 6 warned us as to what we should sow. Galatians 6 7 and 8. Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, but he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. We want to reap a harvest of spiritual joy in our lives because we saw that the wine, the vineyard produced wine which made glad the heart of man. And Jesus said he came to give us joy. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, etc. And this brings us now to verse 10. Thou shalt not plough with an ox and an ass together. Shall plough with an ox and an ass together. Planting in the vineyard spoke of the joy we have in believing for the salvation we have in Christ. Romans 5.11 We joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ by whom we have now received the atonement. Romans 14:17 For the kingdom of God is righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. When we come to to sow the seed we expect to produce joy in our lives. But these now this verse comes to where the man is plowing. 1 Thessalonians 1 verse 9 this verse speaks in some way as our fellowship in service together. How we work together with other people and with other Christians. 1 Thessalonians 1 verse 9 For they themselves show us 
of what manner of entering in we had unto you, how ye turned to God from idols to serve the living God. The Thessalonians turned to God from their idols and then just to do nothing. No, they turned from their idols in order to serve the living and true God. Hebrews 9.14 How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works? Why? To serve the living God. And so each of us were called to serve God, to serve our Master. And in service for the Master, it is essential that there is total and firm agreement on all matters relating to the Word of God with those with whom we serve, with whom we have fellowship in the Gospel. Unequal yokes were not to be allowed. I've seen photographs of people uh, plowing in the, the, the Middle East with a, a donkey and an ox. It's cumbersome. It's ridiculous. Amos 3.3 Can two walk together except they be agreed? Can two walk together? We saw where, where, where Rick Warren a few uh, weeks ago said that he could uh, walk hand in hand with Muslims. But we can't. We can't walk together unless we be in agreement. That's what scripture says. And in the Christian life it's exactly the same. In our married lives it's the same. Can two walk together unless they be agreed? You know, now that in, in, in Christian witness we have people who seem to think that they can walk together with non-Christians or with Christians of different principles and they say something like surely plowing with an ox and an ass is better than nothing. At least uh, the gospel message has been preached. You know, in churches today we see the unequal yoke of ecumenism all around. And we see the gospel being spread. And these people would say, surely that's all that matters. But God says, no unequal yokes. No unequal yokes. We read of Ephraim in, in, in the Psalms, they kept not the covenant of God and refused to walk in his law. And so many people are like that. They think they can preach the gospel with anybody else whether those people are in total agreement with the doctrines of the word of God or not. An ass and an ox can never plough 
an even and straight flow. It's practically impossible. But you may argue, although they may not agree with everything as we do, they love the Lord. And although the church to which they owe allegiance has doctrines not in accordance with scripture, we may ignore that in order to proclaim the gospel message. But if we do that, the gospel message has to be watered down. When Jesus, ere he left the, the scene in the end of Matthew, what did he say? Last few verses of Matthew goes into all the world, the Great Commission, which is uh, watered down as a result of the unequal yoke. He says, All power is given unto me in heaven and on earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. We cannot preach, we cannot teach all things which God through Jesus Christ has commanded us because it will cause contention. It will cause contention. And if we have to cut out believers' baptism, if we have to cut out all these other doctrines which we have relating to the church of Jesus Christ in order that the gospel, the watered-down gospel has to be preached, well then, that's why Jesus, that's why the scripture says, you shall not be unequally yoked together with those people who do not fully fulfill the criteria of scripture. And then, you know, we have the position with Paul and Mark. Remember? Both were devout Christians, but they could not pull evenly their principles in some way were, were, were not the same. Mark let them down. And Paul said, well, we'll have to go and get somebody else. I'm not going to go with Mark. It is impossible for two to pull evenly unless they are governed by the same principles so that they pull evenly. how much more difficult that is for you and for me if we get involved with ecumenical outreaches. We cannot pull evenly. It is dishonoring to God to seek to go contrary to his word. In fact, I would go as far as to say it's an abomination to God to do that. How nice it was to see when Paul was writing to Philemon in chapter 4 verse 3 and one of the translations says I also ask thee also true yoke fellow. He called Philemon a true yoke fellow. How wonderful it is to get someone with whom you can work as a true yoke fellow. And to start with, in order to do that, 
to start with, we have to put on the yoke which Christ offers. And then, and only then, yoke up with those with whom we can have full fellowship in the gospel and doctrines of scripture. We have to be able to preach all things whatsoever we have been commanded. Jesus said in Matthew 11, 28 and 29, Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. From whom are we learning? Are we learning from the word of God, the living word of God? Or are we satisfied with man's teachings and doctrines which are being taught? as the word of God but which are man's thinking learn of me Jesus said for I am meek and lowly in heart and ye shall find rest unto your souls for my yoke is easy my burden is light it won't be an uneven yoke when we are yoked to the Lord Jesus Christ Jesus said in Luke no man having put his hand to the plough and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God we are working in tandem with the Lord Jesus Christ if we are under his yoke we will plough a straight furrow So many times we as Christians get tied up with other organizations and we're brought back into the bondage of partly the law and partly grace. That was the trouble with the Galatians. Galatians 5 verse 1, Stand fast therefore in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free. And be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. God has saved us from the bondage of other uh, denominations, other churches, other sects, other cults. We have been saved out from these places. Let us not be entangled again in these yokes of bondage. These churches which mingle the law and the gospel of grace together. Earthly priesthood. Instead of that taught in scripture. Our heavenly priesthood. Our great high priest. The priesthood according to the order of Melchizedek. Not an earthly priesthood. It's interesting, you know, we, we looked at this a few weeks ago. An ass was an unclean animal. And an ox was a clean animal. Anyone who had an ass had to redeem it by the blood of a lamb. Or uh, <coughs> if he didn't, you had to break its neck. Exodus 13, 13 And every firstling of an ass shalt thou ransom with a lamb. And if they do not ransom it, 
thou shalt break its neck, and every firstborn of a man among thy servants shalt thou ransom. Man in his sin was equated with a, a donkey. Man in his sin was under the judgment of God and had to be redeemed. The Lord Jesus Christ came and redeemed us through his precious blood so that we could become sons of God. You know, we as Christians cannot work in the service of God with those who deny man's redemption through the blood of the Lamb. The substitutionary death of the Lord Jesus Christ for mankind is denied by many. And now we come to, to verse 11. The last, the last verse here in this little group of verses. Thou shalt not wear a garment of diverse sorts as of woolen and linen together. And you know, all the thoughts that we have been thinking about in those previous verses sort of comes together in this final verse. Will, in some way, speaks to us of our bodily desires. Will keeps our bodies warm and comfortable. And there's obviously a place for our physical needs and comforts. But our fleshly desires are not to be confused with our spiritual desires. And God is giving us an example, or giving the children of Israel here an example, to show that he needs a separation in our lives. Come out from among them and be ye separate. We need to keep our spiritual life typified here as linen garments free from anything which promotes or encourages our more natural or fleshly nature. A wool comes from an animal. A linen comes from a, 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 a seed. They were different. And what is showing here that our spiritual life must be different and we must show it by the way we act and behave. And he had laid, God had laid out these five or six rules here, which showed that these people were going to live amongst the Canaanites and they were to be different. Do we walk differently from those around us? You know, there's interesting verses in Ezekiel. Ezekiel 44. Look at Ezekiel 44, and verse 17 and 18. Ezekiel 44, 17 and 18. And it shall come to pass that when they enter in at the gates of the inner court, they shall be clothed with linen garments, and no will shall come upon them whilst they minister in the gates of the inner court and within. They shall have linen bonnets upon their heads, and they shall have linen breeches upon their loins, and they shall not gird themselves with anything that causes sweat. 
they were to wear linen garments in the presence of God. And this is just typifying what we're saying here in these other verses. They were not to have anything on that made them warm and comfortable. They were not to have anything that made them sweat. They were to be in pure linen garments, these priests. The church in Revelation 19 verse 7 is clothed, it's shown as clothed in white linen. It says, let us be glad and rejoice and give honour to him for the marriage of the Lamb has come and his wife hath made herself ready and to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine, clean linen. White. Clean and white. For the fine linen is the righteousness of saints. We have been clothed in the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it is uh, shown here that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white. For the fine linen is the righteousness of saints. And he saith unto me, Write, Blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he saith unto me, These are the true sayings of God. How necessary it is for us to learn the lessons of these few verses. The more I think about it, the more I think it's a vital message. Willen and linen. Separate ourselves. You know, just before Jesus left this earth, in Luke 24:49, he says, Behold, I send the promise of my Father unto you, but do ye remain in the city till ye be clothed with power from on high. Well, that's the kind of clothing we want. We want to be clothed with power from on high. 1 Peter 5, verse 5, Likewise ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. Be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. And you know, we've looked at this on a few occasions. Revelations 3.18 where the church at Laodicea thought they were wealthy. They thought they had everything. But they were naked. They were naked. I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire that thou mayest be rich and white raiment mayest be clothed. The shame of thy nakedness do not appear and anoint thine eyes with thyself that thou mayest see. Oh, may we each one be clothed in garments of salvation clothed and prepared to meet our Lord Jesus Christ when we meet him in the skies. May we be found wearing only those garments which please our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ.